Bible this morning. Would we would you open up to Romans chapter eight? As we get into this amazing chapter. And so we're going to slow down a little bit and hopefully we'll be able to kind of get a good grip of what this amazing chapter teaches us. It teaches us about the freedom and the forgiveness and the fulfillment of the law. It teaches us about the power of the Holy Spirit and how God wants to do that work in our life. And here we read in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. How can you be the man that God wants you to be? The woman that God wants you to be? The husband, the wife, the parent, the servant? We see the answer really in today's study. We're going to see how God in Christ has forgiven us. We're going to see how God in Christ has set us free. And we're going to see that with that forgiveness and with that freedom... God now allows us to fulfill everything that it is he wants from our life. That's what we really see here. The forgiveness in verse 1, the freedom in verses 2 and 3, and the fulfillment there in verse 4. And it's such a beautiful verse there in verse 1. It's a classic verse. I don't know if you can say that about the Bible because, you know, it's all good. But how many of us... uh, you know, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 might be considered our, our, our favorite verse or one that we quote so often. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, we were talking in Romans chapter 7 about the way that life is sometimes and the way that we have this struggle inside and we want to do good, but we don't do it as often as we'd like. And, and we, you know, we don't want to do bad and we find ourselves many times falling and stumbling. And, you know, I, I look at your life, I look in the mirror and I see that we are very imperfect on this side of time. And so in that life, knowing how we fall and even the closer to God that you get, you realize how wretched you are. It can be pretty tough because you might think, well, I'm not going to make it to heaven because I'm not perfect. But see, God wants us to be proper and God wants us to understand. Listen, if you are in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation. And that is an amazing proclamation that people like me deserving of death and destruction A man like myself, headed for a home in hell, and justifiably so, am not condemned. The Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The Greek word speaks of a damnatory sentence. It means to give judgment against, to judge worthy of punishment. 
You know, it means physical death. It means spiritual death. It speaks of judgment in hell and the lake of fire. And even though we deserve all these things, the amazing proclamation is that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And that really, really is intended to, you know, motivate you and stimulate you to live a life of gratitude in the grace of Almighty God. You know, one of the questions that we might want to ask at this point is, are you in Christ Jesus? You know, because there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And so we got to begin by asking that question, and you have to ask it of yourself. Have you yielded your life to the Lord? Truly, totally turning from sin and trusting Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Please remember, you guys, that pretenders, they don't make it to paradise. Please remember that hypocrites don't go to heaven. Please remember that just because you're in this place doesn't mean you're going to be in that place. Are you in Christ Jesus? As a matter of fact, the end of verse 1 is very important. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You know, and in looking at that, and we got to be careful, Paul is not teaching salvation by works or walk, but he is saying that if you are in Christ Jesus and thereby not condemned, your life will show it and you will walk according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. And he's going to elaborate on this more in Romans 8. But let me just say what Jesus said. Remember, he said in Matthew 7, in verse 16 and verse 20, you will know them by their fruits. And so we begin this morning with that proclamation. It's an amazing thing. There is therefore now no condemnation. But remember that it is a promise given to those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you are in Christ Jesus, your practice should match your profession. Your life should match your lips. If you went forward, your life should be going forward in a personal relationship with God. Remember, you guys, the question is not whether or not you went to the altar, but whether or not your life has been altered by the Lord Jesus Christ. But the good news is, if things do match up, not perfect, but proper, if you're going forward by faith, if you are in Christ Jesus, the proclamation is that that there is now no condemnation. And that is very important for us to understand. You know, one of the problems that we see in the world today and in so many ways is the way that people are walking around with a, a burden of guilt. And it's uh, really the root reason for much of the problems we have in the world and, and even many times the problems in the church. I mean, do you really know today, church, that you are forgiven? Do you understand that there is no condemnation over you and your life as a Christian? 
No, we really need to know that Jesus Christ has taken our sins and he's put them away. You know, I was reading a story about James Garfield. And there was a time when he was a lay preacher and he was the principal of his denominational college. And this guy was an amazing guy. They say he was ambidextrous. You know what that means. You can do things with both hands, right? But this guy was so amazingly ambidextrous that he could literally write Latin with one hand and Greek with the other hand simultaneously. Now think about that. Amazing man. And eventually he went on, and most of you probably know, he became the president of the United States. But as he was there, president of the United States, really with an amazing future in front of him, what ended up happening was he was shot in the back after six months of being president uh, with a revolver. And so this amazing man was in this predicament. And he never lost consciousness. At the hospital, the doctors began to treat him. And what they did was they probed the wound with their fingers. They were looking for the bullet. This one doctor uh, couldn't find it, so he tried a silver-tipped probe. but still couldn't find it. And so what they did was they took Garfield to Washington, D.C. Even though the summer was hot, they wanted to find the best teams to treat him. And they probed the wound over and over and over again, and they could not locate the bullet. And so in desperation, what they did is they asked Alexander Graham Bell to come. And at that time, he was working on this trinket called the telephone. But he comes and and he begins to search for the bullet as well. And even he could not find the bullet And so the president was there. He hung on for July and August, but in September, he finally died. But the interesting thing about it is that he didn't die from the bullet. He died from the infections of the probing of the fingers and the instruments and the teams of doctors. The repeated probing, which the physicians thought would help the man, eventually killed the man who had such an amazing future in front of him. And so it is with people who dwell too long on their sin and refuse to accept the forgiveness that is found in Jesus Christ. You know, when you come to the Lord, and I know we don't, you know, feel clean sometimes. And I know, you know, we are uh, sinners still, man. We still have this body of death. But we really need to know what the Bible teaches. And the book of Romans has told us so clearly that all our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. There is therefore now no condemnation. And we need to allow that to move us, to change us, to help us, you guys, to move on. Because if you continue to dwell and you continue to probe, then that right there will Make even people who are ambidextrous, man, able to write with their right and left with an amazing future in front of you for the glory of God to fall short of the calling he has on your life. And so we need to know the proclamation there, uh, the forgiveness. We also need to know the liberation. Again, notice there in verse 2, it says, For the law 
of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Now here we move from the proclamation to the liberation. We move from being forgiven now to being free. And this is what God wants us to know, that as Christians, we're no longer under the law of sin and death because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is that declaration of liberation. And it's very important for us to understand this, you guys. You know, I I know this is not a, a perfect analogy, but, you know, one of the things at least You know, if we were to say this is a good motive, what we're trying to do as a country here is to spread freedom around the world. You know, they say through democracy. And so when we see the oppression of dictators around the world, we, you know, we move in that direction. And, you know, in different ways, sometimes, you know, it happens through our military. Uh, Sometimes it might be through legislation, but You know, if you could give us the benefit of the doubt as a nation, we are fighting for freedom and the realization of freedom around the world. And even here today, even in the book of Romans chapter 8, I think there is that fight that continues to go on. That God is trying to show us that if we are in Christ, there's that proclamation, no condemnation, and therefore We should live in liberation, that we should be set free, not to sin, but from sin and from the guilt that the law brought to our life. How are we free? Well, we're free by the free gift that was given to us. Isn't it so cool, you guys, that if you've come to Christ, that we've been set free, that we don't have to go and work and earn our way to heaven You know, you don't have to be hypnotized or canonized or circumcised or baptized or any of those things, man, that he has done all the work. It's a free gift that sets us free. I don't have to look to those things. I only look to Jesus. I don't look to a church. I don't look to rules and regulations. I only look to Jesus. And as I look to Jesus from the depths of my heart, there is not condemnation, but there is liberation. I am now free and able to be full of the Holy Spirit who will then empower me to live life for my Lord. You know, here we see in verse 3 that the law, it could not do this. It was weak through the flesh. The law showed me my sin, deserving of death. But the Lord died for me, then sent the Spirit and gave me life. And when you contrast the two, it's such an amazing difference. Now, Paul here in verse 3, he explains everything for what the law couldn't do and that it was weak through the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. You know, Paul says there that the law... The religion, the rules and regulations, they were unable to save, unable to sanctify. The law was unable, but God was able. And God saves us and God sanctifies us. 
by sending his son. You know, and I don't want to pass by that too quickly. I know we can. I know we've heard it a million times. But we need to make sure that we understand the love that God has and that he sent his son. You know, we read about that illustration over in the book of Genesis chapter 22. If you guys remember, you know, how the Lord had given Abraham an amazing promise and You know, he told him, you're going to have a son one day. And Abraham heard that when he was probably a young man, 70, 75. You know, 24 years go by and he still has no son. And then God one day comes to him and he tells him, yes, you're going to have a son. Lord, I'm too old. I can't have a son. Don't, you know, promise me something really that it's just going to break my heart. But the Lord said, this time next year, you will have a son. And in your son, all your dreams are wrapped. In him, the Bible tells us for the first time, there is this thing called love. And, you know, I know it's hard for all of us to really understand, you know, um, if you have children, though, I think you begin to scratch the surface of the love that you have, you know, for your children and the love the father had for the son, the love that Abraham must have had for Isaac. Think about that. That everything was wrapped up in this young guy right here, in this little lad. For the first time in the Bible, we see the word love. But then the day comes when the word of the Lord comes to Abraham. And what does the word of the Lord say? He said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. And what does the Bible say? Abraham rose early in the morning and he took his son. And what is that? We know that's the same mountain where 2,000 years later, God the Father gave his son. And we have to make sure that we don't just, you know, go through that and forget that, you know, because that right there is an illustration of the love and it shows us the depths of God's salvation for us. You know, 2,000 years later, when we rewind and then we fast forward, we find what Jesus has done for us. And we see that as Abraham went there and he was about to sacrifice his son, the angel of the Lord came to him and said, no, it's okay. I just tested your heart. And, you know, when you look at that whole thing, it's the first time in the Bible we have that title of Jehovah Jireh in which God would provide. Now, I know a lot of times when we think of God providing, we think of riches, huh? But that's not really what Jehovah Jireh is all about. It's about righteousness. It's not about money. It's about Messiah. It's not about a job. It's about Jesus and justification. It's not about finances. It's about forgiveness and freedom and fulfillment. And if you try to live your life by rules and regulations, and sometimes they come, you know, from other people and they try to give you their own personal convictions. If you try to live your life by those laws, then it will never, ever, ever have the power to save you or sanctify you. It might change you from the outside but not from the inside. And what God is teaching us in the book of Romans is that when you surrender to the Spirit of God, then you allow God to come in and to change you from the inside out. 
The law was weak. It could not do it. But our God is mighty to save. And God did it, you guys. How? By sending his son. And it's an amazing thing when you look at this. The law was weak. It could not save or sanctify. But he was meek. He was sent to die. You know, we read the same thing in Acts 13, 39. It says, and by him... Everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. And so in looking at our study, we see the proclamation, we see the liberation, and we realize it's not the law, it's the Lord that saves. It's not the sacraments, it's a sacrifice. It's not our works, it's his work. We are weak, but he is strong and he is mighty to save. And the cool thing for Christians, and we really need to catch this this morning, you guys, is that he has condemned sin, it says right there, on the cross. And so that means that your sins as saints are forgiven and forgotten. You've got to know that your sins are covered, they're cleared, they're cleansed, they're cast as far as the east is from the west. That's what Psalm 103 verse 12 says. That even though we were red like crimson, we are now white as snow. How many of you here feel that way? I would venture to say not many of you. I would venture to say that many of us here today have not appropriated this truth. And you're wondering, well, why can't I be like Paul the Apostle? Why can't I be like Jesus? Paul, the one who's writing these things, realizes these things, has internalized these things, and therefore he was a missionary that changed the whole world. The Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren, and he will accuse you day and night. What do we need to do? We need to honor God by believing in the blood. We need to honor God by faith, honoring his freedom and forgiveness that he's given to us. You know that old song, and this kind of reveals to you guys how old I am. You remember that song, White as Snow? Isn't that a beautiful song? Can I sing it to you? Yeah. <laughs> I'll just read it to you. This is what it says. White as snow, white as snow. Though my sins were as scarlet, Lord, I know. Lord, I know that I'm free and forgiven. Through the power of your blood, through the wonder of your love, through faith in you, I know that I can be white as snow. You see, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. See, he condemned the sin and not the sinner. And the proclamation, the liberation, the law of the Lord is so amazing. We even read later in John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved and that's what we see paul is writing about the proclamation the liberation 
And then we see the destination there in verse 4. This is why that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Verse 4 essentially tells us why God did what he did for people like us. You know, why are we here today? Is it just, you know, so I can believe something that, you know, we're reading or, or studying or talking on? That, that's part of it. You, you need to believe it, but then what you need to do is you need to take it and then you need to let it sink in so that it will change your behavior. You see, you listen and learn and then live. You believe and then you behave. You are not condemned, no condemnation, liberation, so that now there can be that, you know, destination, that life of forgiveness and freedom then leads to a life of fulfillment. And that's what you read there in verse 4, that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled. You see? I mean, you know, how do you have a victory? How can you be that man, that woman, that servant, that, you know, everything, all the roles and responsibilities that God's given to you on a day-by-day basis, on a moment-by-moment basis, remembering you guys, I'm always telling you, you're not perfect, but you should be proper. How can you have victory? Well, this is how. By understanding these four verses right here, God really allows us to go forward in life. You know, the righteous requirement of the law there in verse 4, it speaks of the righteousness, number one, that Jesus Christ has imputed to us. That's positionally. And so, you know, the righteousness of Christ is in your account. But it also speaks, and when you look at the context of Romans chapter 8, this is probably the dominant theme. It speaks of that righteousness that is imparted to us. Not just imputed to us, but imparted to us. Not just positionally, but practically. So that now, as God lives in you, by the Holy Spirit, you can actually live like Him. And you can have His love. And you can have His wisdom. And you can have His character. And you can have the humility and you can have all the things that god wants you to be as you allow the lord to work in your life you see when his righteousness is imputed to one's account it means that god will treat you as if you live jesus perfect life and the reason being because he treated jesus as if he lived our sinful life and so you're free and forgiven but now you guys when his righteousness is imparted to one's life, it means that God now enables us to live the law of the Lord as New Testament Christians. Where before we couldn't do it, but now we can. You know, before I couldn't stop drinking, I I couldn't stop smoking, I couldn't stop partying, I could not. But now I can Before, I couldn't stop the vulgarities of my language and my four-letter words. I could not stop, but but now I can. And before, when I used to speak a lie, it just came out of my heart. It was just by nature. I I did those things. I, I couldn't stop because that was in my heart, but now I can. 
you know, before. And, you know, a lot of you guys came to the Lord later in life. You know, you, you couldn't really love your wife. You couldn't really love your children. You would verbally abuse them. But now you don't. Why? Because it was weak. The law couldn't save or sanctify. But now the Spirit comes in and He allows us to have that victory, that life of obedience that is so necessary for us to have as Christians. See, we don't function in our fallen flesh any longer. We surrender to the Spirit. And now all those requirements of God, commandments of God, expectations from God, responsibilities from God that we do have, we can now live in every one of our lives. And so we need to know what the Bible teaches and what God expects of us, you guys. You know, because I know it can be frustrating. You know, there's something inside of you. If you're here and you're a Christian, God is inside you and, and God wants to bless you and God wants to, you know, just lead you in a life of righteousness. But if you're not surrendered to the Spirit, you find yourself frustrated, man, and you keep hitting that wall and you keep failing, you know, and it's not the way God wants you to live. It's kind of like what we see the children of Israel did when they came out of Egypt. God had set them free, giving them that proclamation and that liberation. But what did they do for 40 years? They wandered in the wilderness. Does that still happen today? It still does. But we don't have to. If we surrender to the Spirit, what was a 40-year journey can be an 11-day victory. That's how awesome God is. You know, sometimes I see Christians and, you know, I'm just going to share with you the way that it is. You know, they've been walking with the Lord for decades. And there's no growth and there's no victory and they're back to square one and it just breaks your heart, you know. And then sometimes you see these new Christians, and they've been saved for 45 seconds. No, I'm just joking. They've been saved, you know, for 45 days, and there is victory in their life. They are being used by God. They are on fire for God. They just know that, hey, this life is all about the Lord. And they serve Him. They love Him. They love others. And it just radiates from their life. But, Lord, I don't get it. This one right here, they've been walking with you for 30 years. This one right here, they've been walking with you for a year. And yet I see so clearly that this one right here is in the promised land. This one right here is wandering in the wilderness. Lord, I don't understand why. And the Lord says, well, this is why. They don't know that there is therefore now no condemnation, that God has forgiven them of all their sins. And they don't know that there is this liberation, that God gives them freedom not to sin, but from sin. And therefore, they don't fulfill the law of the Lord like they can. That's what he says right there in verse 4, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. You see, it's all about obedience, you guys. We were talking about this on Thursday, how God has called us to be holy. And if we're holy as a church, then that will then influence the world that we live in. If you're holy as parents, that will impact your children. If you're holy in your workplace, that will spread and God will do an amazing work. If you're really holy. And I'm not talking about being a Pharisee. I'm talking about real 
love, real love. We need to have this in our heart. You know, the Bible says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word, right? You know, there was this king, Edward VI. He was the king of England in the 16th century. And history tells us that he would attend the worship service and he would stand while the word of God was read. And he would take notes during the study. And later what he would do is he would study those notes with great care. Throughout the week, he would earnestly try to apply them to his life. And that's what we need to do as serious-minded saints. A single revealed fact cherished in the heart and acted upon is more vital to our growth than a head filled with lofty ideas about God. Like what this guy said, he said, one step forward in obedience is worth a thousand years of studying it. And that's why we have to have that in our hearts, you guys. How God wants us to live that life of obedience. How many of you remember Roger Staubach? Quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, right? Hey, man, Raymond's team here, man. He was a great quarterback. Yeah, he really was. I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's in the Hall of Fame. He won uh, at least one Super Bowl, if not more. And the interesting thing about Roger Staubach, I don't know if you guys knew this, is that he didn't call any of his own plays. Not one. He had a coach, uh, Tom Landry, who called every single play. And Roger Staubach, in one of his writings, he says, you know, I, I didn't really like that, to be honest with you. I mean, here I've been a quarterback for years now, and, you know, coach still, you know, brings in every play. And he acknowledged the fact that Coach Laundry was a genius, but it didn't really sit well with his pride that the coach called every single play. But as time progressed, this is what he realized. That when I just yielded to the coach, when I surrendered my own rights, there was harmony, there was fulfillment, and there was victory. We see that for quarterbacks, and we have to see that for Christians. I mean, we want to call our own plays, huh? We want to do our own things. This is really what I've learned in life as a Christian in, 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 in many ways, is that we're, we're too quick to make decisions. Rather than inquiring of the Lord, or we're too quick to say things, rather than you know, testing it by God's Spirit, we're too quick to do our own thing without checking in for marching orders. And it's by that type of activity that we find ourselves saying things that we wish we wouldn't have said and doing things that we should never be doing. If you really understand that you've got to run this by God, everything you say, everything that you do, everything that you are, then what you'll find is God will give you harmony. God will give you fulfillment. God will give you victory. And that's what we see, you guys, today in our study. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And even though you don't feel it, you don't feel free and forgiven, you are because you are in Christ. 
For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death and what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. The proclamation, the liberation, what God has done for us in Christ and then that transformation, that destination. Here it is that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Can Christians walk according to the flesh? You bet. (laughs) They can. That's why later in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 25, it says, if you live in the Spirit, don't walk. You make sure that you walk in the Spirit. You know, we can. What God is calling us to do, though, is to walk in the Spirit, that we might live that life of obedience. But it all comes back, really, to understanding what Jesus has done for us. You know, let me close, you guys, if it's all right, by turning to a couple of scriptures this morning. Just maybe some application. The first one is over in John chapter 8. Because I think many Christians walk around feeling guilty, feeling condemned. They've been listening to the lies and not to the Lord. You know, maybe you're here today and you've neglected to meditate or contemplate on Romans 8 verse 1 and you've forgotten that you're free and forgiven. Maybe you just haven't realized or internalized the forgiveness of God. And so, you know, I just really want to encourage you guys today that if you're here And if you're a Christian, and maybe you've lost the joy of Jesus, maybe the joy of justification, maybe you've lost the wonder of his washing you and making you clean, I just pray that you would take this study to heart and that you would learn and live and study and see the great Savior that you have. A salvation that's so great that we can walk in the Spirit, we can walk in obedience, we can walk in wisdom, we can walk in love, we can walk in the light, we can walk with Jesus, we can believe and behave, and we can be all that God wants us to be. You know, here in John chapter 8, I I know a lot of you here know the story, but man, there was this woman who was caught in adultery and the religious leaders had pretty much set her up. And so what they did was they brought her to Jesus and they said, according to the law, she should die. The law says to stone her. What do you say, Jesus? And so the Bible says that Jesus just kind of stooped down and he started writing on the ground. And, and we don't know for sure what he wrote. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of speculation in those areas. But eventually, when they continued to press him and they continued to ask him, what are you going to do about this? Can't you see what they've done? It's wrong. It's worthy of death. It's sin. It's there. It's darkness. What are you going to do about their sin, about her sin? What did the Lord say? He said, he who is without sin. You be the first one to cast stones. And as they began to think about it, the older from the younger, they dropped their stones and they all walked away because no one is worthy of judging in such a way. 
And so the woman was there. Jesus was there. And it says in verse 10 of John 8, And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And that's really a synopsis of our life, you guys. You know, we condemn ourselves. Our brothers and sisters might condemn us sometimes. We know the devil does all the time. But you want to know the one that's more important, most important of all? Jesus Christ. He does not condemn you. He doesn't condone your sin. He says this, and I think it's a great deal. Neither do I condemn you. But I tell you what, and he kind of lifts you up, and he kind of brushes you off, and he looks you in the eyes, and he says, go and sin no more. And that's got to be our goal. He who says he abides in him ought to walk just as he walked. And that's what God wants for our life. What creates all the troubles? Why do you get in fights with your wife? It's because she's bad, huh? That's why, man. <laughs> no, it's because one by one, husband, wife, both of us, children, everybody involved, we have forgotten that God has called us to fulfill the law by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not going to be determination. It's going to be dependence. And when you surrender to the Lord and when you really realize, I cannot do this, Lord. I can't do this. I need you. Then God takes over. And God will change your house. And God will set you free. And God will do such an amazing work in your life. You know, I was reading one story about how they train Arabian horses. I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but they go through rigorous training in the deserts of the Middle East. But the thing about it is that the trainers require absolute obedience from the horses. And so what they do is they test them to see if they are completely trained before they can set them out there, you know, to be used. And so... When they train them, the final test is really a crazy thing. It's almost beyond the endurance of any living thing. The trainers force the horses to do without water for many days. And then what he does is he turns them loose. And of course, they start running to the water, right? But then what the trainer does is he blows the whistle. And the horses who have been completely trained and have learned perfect obedience, they stop. And what they do is they turn around and they come back to the trainer. And they stand there quivering, wanting water, but waiting in perfect obedience. And so when the trainer is sure that he has their obedience, he then gives them a signal to go back to drink. You see, and when they pass that test, I know it sounds severe, but understand, you guys, that when you're out there in the trackless deserts of Arabia, you need horses that are obedient. And in this battle, in this war, in the military, it's the same thing. In this battle that we're in, things have not changed. 
The Bible says the eyes of the Lord went to and fro throughout the whole earth so that he can show himself strong on those whose hearts are loyal to him. You know, things have not changed. God still wants us to do that good old-fashioned thing called obedience. I've told you guys many times when I asked my son, hey, son, you know, trying to get him to obey, you know, what do you think about obedience, Aaron? I thought he was going to say, oh, it's God's command, or yeah, Dad, it's a good thing. And what do you think about obedience? And he just looked and he said, it's hard. <laughs> and you want to know something? Apart from the Lord, it's not only hard, it's impossible. But when you're surrendered to the Spirit and you're dependent upon God, He will empower you to fulfill the law. And so we start today by understanding forgiveness. You've got to know that. And then we continue today by understanding freedom. You've got to know that. But then we conclude today by understanding fulfillment. And as God has this calling on your life and God wants you to fulfill so many things for his glory, this is how we do it, you guys, by understanding what this is all about and going forward in our relationship with him. And so I pray that God would stir your hearts and that we would live a life that would obey and honor him. And so let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your word, Lord, today. Lord, just understanding that you uh, have done the work, that what the law could not do and that it was weak in the flesh, God did by sending his only son. And I thank you so much, Lord, for sending Jesus for us. And I pray today that Christians, Lord, would just rise above a life, Father God, of mediocrity. Lord, help us today to live a life of victory for your glory in the promised land where the milk and the honey are flowing. The things that we want, the things that we need. Help us as Christians, Lord, to live that life on Mondays and Tuesdays and every days. Be with us, Lord, to know your forgiveness and to know your freedom, Lord. And I also pray, Lord, today, if there are any here who don't know you, Lord, that today they would know that they need you, Lord, and that you, by your Holy Spirit, would save their soul. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, and you don't know the Lord, you know, someone maybe invited you here. Somehow you find yourself here. Please understand that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And the way that you come in to Christ Jesus is that today, if you would be willing to humble yourself and acknowledge in your heart that you are a sinner, but there is a Savior and if you would be willing today to turn from your sins and trust Jesus Christ who loves you and make him the Lord of your life. You've got to make a choice to follow Jesus. And if you're not a Christian today, I encourage you before you leave to make that choice to follow Jesus.